you're listening to Between Two Ravens, a Norse mythology podcast with Sean and David. Hey, Sean, how's it going? David, I'm doing great. Thank you. How are you? I'm good. I, uh, I'm making sure our sound is all balanced, things like that. We're doing early morning recording. Yeah, Thursday, 8 o'clock my time, 6 o'clock your time. Yeah, having coffee and breakfast together. Yeah, I know. I certainly wanted to acknowledge how we haven't recorded for a while, but that uh, we've had we've had busy stuff going on in our lives, huh? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think it's been like three or four weeks since we did part one of this episode. And since then, I've done a couple of solo episodes that I, I got kind of carried away with. Uh, my first one was on Gorm the Old, King of Denmark. And then uh, I did one on Harold Fairhair's father, um, Halfdan the Black. And I like got carried away with this like uh, family tree that I posted on Instagram where I was like, holy shit, Harold Fairhair's descended from Odin and Fire. And um, yeah, I got a little carried away, but I was having fun doing that. No, oh yeah, and also I think you're right that our... people uh, people enjoy that stuff though. Yeah, it it got a lot of likes on Instagram, so I'm glad. Yeah. And uh... that, that idea that like, did you know that this real historical king is related to Odin, and he's related to Adam and Eve? And I think people just love that stuff. Like, oh yeah, no, <laughs> here's and, uh... all the documents, and here's all my crazy red lines connecting all the lines together. That's my kind of stuff. But, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So like with a Harold Fairhair, and like I'm actually working on an episode right now for Harold Fairhair, and. Uh, I decided to do one on his father, Halfton the Black, like using Snorri's work, Hemskringla. And so Hemskringla is actually written to kind of tie the Norse kings through like, it's meant to like show the Norse kings and their descendancy from the god Njord and Freyr. And so like, if you take his mother, Harold Fairhair's mother, Ragnhild, she's supposedly a descendant of Sigurd, Snake in the Eye, who at that point, using the saga of the Volsungs, you can tie into Odin. So like, Harold Fairhair, through his father, is descended from Freyr and Yord, and then for, through his mother, Odin. So, like, that's what I was about I to say. I'm like, they're, they're trying to show they're descended from Njord and Freyr. They didn't even pick the good gods, but uh, but then they descended hey, from Odin as well. So, Freyr is supposedly <laughs> the best of the gods, according that's to right. the text. That's right. He's everyone's so, favorite. Yeah. And, uh, and also, by and the way, I, I put my okay. house on the market. I know I told you that, but uh, yeah. We, no, that you really got a lot going on, and that I I have a bunch of things that are up in the air in my life that I'll. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'll talk about one day, but uh, the the fun stuff I've been doing too, getting out, going camping for a Father's Day. Took my son out, and we went to this campsite. It was a nice, nice river, this kind of valley. You know, right now it's like 105 degrees in Albuquerque, uh, yeah. high today. But that you go up to the mountains and it's nice and cool. It's like 40 degrees overnight. So we got to make make a bonfire, get sticks, poke at the fire, cook some stuff out there. It was this really neat story I told you earlier. But was that. This, uh, this is this guy that drives through, you know, there's, a, it's this, uh, campground and he drives through with his big pickup truck and a big trailer full of logs and that he's giving you fire. He'll sell you $5, as much firewood as you can carry. And, uh, so he saw me and my son and he's like, you know, $5, as much firewood as you can carry. And he's like, and you can take for free, whatever the little guy can carry. Cause my son's only three. And sure. I got my son to put his arms out and we stacked up four, four, uh, big pieces of firewood in his arms. And the guy was really impressed. And he's like, wow, I didn't think he was going to take that much. He's getting like 50% extra free. And, uh, I told you there's this something weird about this guy. I mean, he's driving this pickup truck. He's got a bunch of empty beer cans in his car. Somehow nobody's arresting him. <laughs> and he looks like a big old Viking guy somehow out in the mountains of New Mexico. Sure. And some, just something about him really reminds me of Odin that he comes by and he tells me to, uh, just have a nice campfire. And I was just going to have a little, you know, cooking food on the propane stove. But I'm like, nope, we're going to have a big bonfire in uh, this strange, you know, Odin takes many disguises. So I think this guy was definitely <laughs> an Odin figure. You know, we've gotten to a point where uh, some interesting stuff is happening when you see Odin 
driving a pickup truck. Um, but no, it's funny, like uh, something that was coming to my mind when you were just telling me this is like, uh, I know I've talked about how previously, if like the gods existed, like, let's say there are deities that exist. If humans have free will, maybe the gods do not. And like, maybe they just naturally do what their nature tells them to do or like what they're, what they are designed to do if they were designed. And like, I'm wondering if like, if you, if you like see people on a day-to-day basis, like how many of them are just like NPCs and like, I don't know. This guy like, felt I, like an NPC. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. Like that's, that's really funny. The other weird thing is he said it's Odin having fun. Well, the other part is he said it's Odin in a pickup truck. I won't share too much about my, uh, what's going on with my unconscious mind, but I had a dream about a pickup truck and somehow it was right after we were talking about Slepnir and I had this realization that if, uh, if you redid the modern Norse myths, would Loki get Odin a horse or would he get him a pickup truck? And I think there's something going on there, but uh, I, won't, I won't explore that one too much. Yeah. An, eight, an eight wheeler as opposed to eight legs. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Also, um, I was at work uh, Tuesday. So today's Thursday. I was at, I went to, into the office on Tuesday and I, I spoke to one of my uh, colleagues who I used to work for or used to, who used to work for me. She told me the story where she was asleep recently. And for some reason, the podcast started playing and it like woke her up and she said it was like one of the loki episodes and she said it wasn't me so it would have been you and she like got really into you and whatever you were saying about loki for like 40 seconds and then she was like oh crap i'm tired and went to bed i don't know so if you she want was yeah podcast to be a programming your mind while you're sleeping like the unconscious listening to <laughs> us would be a problem i think well maybe it depends on the episode which the quality of each episode is up and down so no, but at least, yeah, that uh, that Odin is a guy driving a pickup truck up and down the mountains, and Loki is in the artificial intelligence turning on your podcast in the middle of the night. So you guys better yeah. watch out for a Chat GPT. Definitely, Loki's oh, not. Yeah, Chat GPT is is been a big part of my life as well. Um, I kind of just like having fun with it, and like it's it's often so wrong, um, like just about its stuff. But anyway, I know we've discussed that previously, so we can probably get started. Yeah, but we're going to be over caffeinated today, so yeah, Sean, what are we talking about? Yeah, so we're going to finish our series on the journey of Loki. This one, I um, unofficially am calling Loki the fucking psycho. So last last time we discussed the stories where Loki often caused problems for the gods, um, either purposefully or accidentally, and I put accidentally in quotes, like the story where Loki cuts off all of Sif's hair when she's sleeping, the story where Freya almost had to marry a wall builder giant against her will, and the story where Loki orchestrated the capture of Edun and her youth-giving apples. So in those stories, um, Loki, often under the threat of torture or death at the hands of the Aesir, is not only able to fix the problems he created, but in doing so would put the Aesir in a situation where they ultimately benefited um, from the initial problems, such as the gods getting their divine gifts, including uh, Thor's hammer Mjolnir and Odin's spear Gungnir, um, the gods getting a wall to protect their sacred realm of Asgard, and Odin getting his horse uh, Sleipnir, as we previously mentioned, and also the death of the of a powerful giant, Thiazi. So one theme that remained consistent was the consistent threats on Loki by the Aesir. And you have to imagine that although Loki is often a pest, um, the consistent threats of torture had to have taken a toll on the god of mischief. So as we're going to discuss in this episode, you will see that the so-called, quote, antics of Loki begin to get a little bit more sinister and downright psychotic. But where did this like uh, transition from a playful prankster to a psychotic murderer happen? So like the point where when, when did he start being going down the path, I guess, of being a cold-blooded killer? 
So in the episode, we are going to discuss the remaining stories of Loki in the lead up to Ragnarok, then discuss his death at Ragnarok itself. But what does it all mean? If Loki is an agent of fate, was every action he took not only purposeful, but also necessary to create the new world post-Ragnarok? Um, so like, was were Loki's actions um, necessary to create something better in this new world? So yeah, I'm sorry, Dave, go ahead. No, I was just going to, a little bit of that recap, which I think I said plenty in the last episode, but uh, in, the, in the initial stories that Loki, especially you have to remember the way I analyze all these myths is that they're a giant dream. And now it's really neat when Sean puts all the myths together, we might somehow see a dream here that is not what, you know, people looking at any one myth would have taken from it, right? And when you analyze a dream, it's not about blaming anybody else. They are all parts of your own unconscious mind. Right, so Loki is the part of you that, that connects you to the feminine side of you. Let's say we're doing this from the perspective of men, right? Who wrote wrote the myths? It's that thing. It's hard for you as a man to want to get connected to your feminine side, so you got to trick yourself into it, right? There's got to be something tricky going on. Sometimes maybe these like humbling experiences, right? So as, you know, then we've even talked about uh, Thor or Odin getting taken down a notch, and certainly Loki as well. Kind of you know goes to a dark place, right? The idea of Jungian psychology to connect to your feminine side is then to find your creativity. So you're talking about right Ragnarok and rebirth mm-hmm. and really finding a lot of your potential. And you're only living half of your potential if you're not connected to your feminine side. And the other thing I'll say maybe about Loki and that trickster archetype, that it's related to the magician archetype. So the idea that Loki, you know, can, did he see all of this coming, right? Did he know exactly what was happening? He's pulling all the strings to make it happen. Yeah, did it have to happen exactly this way? Things like that. Yeah. And that a good magician is a wonderful thing. That would be a good therapist usually is a good magician. He can talk you into doing the thing that's for your own good and convince you it's your own idea. Right? Sure. <laughs> yes. I wanted to give up all of my problem behaviors and stop drinking. That's right. I did always want that. Right. And, and I didn't, I didn't do any of this. You did it all yourself. Right? That's, that's the idea of a good magician, but a, a black magician, a dark magician is very, very concerning. You know, they sell you timeshares and expensive cars that you don't want and convince you it was your own idea too, right? So that Loki has, you know, is very powerful, but that without the good side, without love, without following the king, if we think about that king warrior, magician lover, that the magician is very sinister. And then that the trickster is the immature magician, that it doesn't go about things in a, you know, mature proper way. It has all these weird tricky ways of getting you to do whatever you needed to do in the first place. So it's still getting you there to what you yeah. needed to do, but maybe it gets real ugly on the way. I think that's where we're going today. So. Yeah, no. And it's funny you say this. Cause like, I, in, I know you touched on this a little bit ago, but like in the stories where Loki is present, like in one that we did, actually didn't discuss in part one was where Loki happened to be a companion of Thor yeah. um, traveling to Utgard Loki's castle. And he was there and he was there just to like serve as a uh, comedic being that could eat a yeah. lot. So like when writing that episode, he just happened to be like in the backgrounds. But I do like the fact when you take all these stories, you start to like see something. And of course, like we're probably just making up and like we're just like we're like probably saying something incorrectly as far as the writer's interpretations of everything. But I no, do find we're, that we're making we're making a new uh, modern mythology. You know, I really took that from our friend uh, Chuck very well that like it's not just to figure out what the myth said back then. It really is. If we're translating it into our language, our modern culture, it's going to change a little, but trying to find what's the, you know, the things that are consistent. Yeah. So we're not just making it all up. Off our- yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I do think that Loki probably would be a good 
if he was playing like the comedic or like yeah. the light magician, he probably would be a good car salesman. Or I guess that would be a dark magician. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He would like talk. Uh, <laughs> he would be like, okay, well, you don't want to pay $50,000 for this car. Well, I'm going to see what I can do and see if we can knock that down to 49.7. And it's yeah. like, right. I want to and- buy it. And the idea is, that, like, well, isn't he just taking advantage of you and isn't it all bad? But that gives you the opportunity to learn to see through the magician, right? For your warrior sure. to be like, no, I'm not doing the thing you're telling me to do, right? So that the warrior and the, the trickster being together in those stories. The other thing that the archetype of the trickster is kind of like is sort of the uh, the jester. The idea with the king, you know, the idea, the idea is that the king is supposed to submit to God because otherwise the king's not under anybody. He just does whatever yeah. he wants. But the other person that can sort of uh, take him down a notch or humble him is the jester, right? The court jester comes in, and because he's the comic relief, he gets to tell the king what's wrong with him. And then maybe the king then learns a little bit to uh, to be a little more humble and get, get taken down a notch, because otherwise he's, you know, a tyrant and out of control, right? So that whether he's doing it to Odin or he's doing it to Thor, that's a, a little bit of Loki as well. Yeah. And let's say like with most Kings, like they do, if they're like not warriors or something, they do have the ability to, or they have the means to like eat a lot and like, yeah. you know, indulge in their consumption of things. And so like, let's yeah. say one of them's fat or something and right. the jester comes in and be like, Oh, and King Harold thinks that a beard is hiding his obesity. And it's like, yeah. you know, it's just, <laughs> well, and, and especially when it's like, okay, maybe I can't exactly tell you the King that you're fat, but we can talk about how Thor eats way too much. And maybe that'll remind you like, don't be a laughing stock like Thor. Right? Sure. And now we're actually helping the king take care of his weight and his heart disease and all of that. So it's very important. Yeah. <laughs> Loki is he's uh, he's big on people's health, <laughs> physical health, not mental health. But <laughs> cool. Um, so should we should we get started? Let's yeah, let's keep going. Awesome. So like as I mentioned, where did Loki begin this transition into being this prankster, this like playful uh, prankster into a murderous psychopath? And I honestly think you could say it starts when Loki's kids are involved um, or when like Loki's kids are in in the equation, I should say. So the Aesir are pretty shitty to Loki's children. And per Gilfagani in chapter 34, the gods heard of these three siblings and children of Loki and Angraboda. They learned through prophecies that evil was expected of them and probably that they would bring on Ragnarok. So Odin has all three of them seized. The first one being um, Jormungandr, Odin threw Jormungandr into the deep sea, where he has his run-ins with Thor, as we've discussed previously. Hel, um, Loki's daughter, Odin throws her into Niflheim, where she pretty much became the queen of the dead. And uh, I think uh, that same chapter, uh, chapter 34 of Gilfogenine says she, quote, ruled over nine worlds. And then you have Fenrir. So the Aesir keep... Fenrir in Asgard. They don't banish him. However, as Fenrir grows strong, the Aesir do begin to worry because they know what what is to come from him. So they orchestrated a trick to have him chained up until Ragnarok. And for good measure, they used a sword to hold his mouth open. Um, they opted not to kill Fenrir as they didn't want to soil the land. And you could also make the case as th- that this is why they did not kill the other two and only banish them. Um, and so we did discuss that story of Fenrir's chaining, which the Aesir were pretty shitty. They they pretty much lied to him while they, in under the guise of like having a contest with him, and they had him chained. They decided to put a sword in his mouth to where his mouth was open forever. And at least in that story, Fenrir got to bite off Tyr's hand. Um, yeah. So for Fenrir, it wasn't it wasn't there's all little, for naught. I guess a little I, bit I of a balance. Say. And there's something, yeah, something you had to sacrifice to get this done. 
it's why I really like, you know, these things that you wouldn't realize unless Sean puts the myths in order for you, right? That, because if you just look at the myths randomly one at a time, it's, it's very hard to actually know, like, did this happen before Loki does a lot of his other things he does, right? But the part where it's like, if you actually look at the details, there is an order to these myths. Some things cannot happen before the others, right? Which takes a bit of time to, to lay that all out. And then it just makes a lot of sense, right? That when did Loki turn dark? It's like, he's like, you know, you can, you can tie my testicles to a goat. You can sew my mouth shut, right? Whatever. But you start messing with the children and now it's gone a little too far, right? And that is all about Odin needs to be in control, right? There, It's interesting, the idea. He's like, I can deal with one Loki, but I can't have three more of these. <laughs> that would be too yeah. much. But also like- that they're going to cause Ragnarok and he won't let it happen, but it's happening. There, there's no controlling it, yet Odin's going to try to control, right? Um, and then that actually is what, that's what makes it all happen. Right. Yeah. But, uh, I think it's funny, like where, um, the gods like have this code. They're like, we can't kill people on this sacred soil, yeah. um, in Asgard, but like they, they, they're not above pretty much tricking Fenrir who yeah. like Fenrir's into in this contest of like saying, Oh, I bet I can break out of this chain. And they were like, well, yeah. we, you really can't, we have this like string and, Oh, yeah. It's like they're they're not above that, and it's just kind of funny that the gods like have one code of honor, but they are also pieces of shit at the same time. But it, it also made me think if they killed Fenrir, that it might somehow corrupt the land too. I think I remember getting that feeling from the myth. Yeah, um, and for some reason also just what keeps sticking in my head is uh, I think it's from the Godfather. Is like, look what they did to my boy. <laughs> I forgot which one that was from. I I I saw the I saw the first and second Godfather so long ago. <laughs> You know, I, I don't know any modern movies, and I'm not sure I remember the old ones any better either. But uh. Yeah, I always remember, whenever I think of The Godfather, I think of the family guy um, scene where they're like about to die or something, the family is, and uh, Peter is like, hey guys, I have a confession. I did not care for The Godfather, and like everybody like threw a temper tantrum over it, and he was like, it's because it insists upon itself. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think we have a friend who's going to appreciate my attempt at uh, doing a, uh, an impression there. No, so the... Move on yeah. from Loki, Loki and the children to uh, the next part. Yeah, so this is where like you could make a connection with uh, Loki, his kids getting like screwed over, and like his kids getting attacked by the Aesir, and so Loki goes after one of Odin's kids. Um, so in the story where we discuss the death of Balder, Loki orchestrates his death by tricking Balder's brother Hod into throwing a mistletoe at him. And at this point, Frigg had taken oaths from every element and every thing in the universe that they would not harm Balder, with the exception of Mistletoe, because apparently Mistletoe was too young, another code of the gods or the ethics of the gods. They couldn't they couldn't get this oath from this young being yeah. of Mistletoe because it wouldn't be worthless. And I guess the I guess the young being wouldn't be able to consent the right way to and it seems very but, unlikely that it would be a problem, right? Like, it's just mistletoe. That should be fine. Oh, yeah. This should be fine. Yeah, but for some reason, like, Loki, I don't know, like, what magic he put into it, but Boulder, like, drops dead. The Aesir are devastated, obviously. And then they have the means to actually resurrect Boulder, however Loki gets in the way. So Hel, again, Loki's daughter, agreed to let Boulder go back to Asgard if all of the things in the world, alive or dead, weep for him. Um, so everything in the world did weep for Balder because Balder is the beautiful, the beautiful god, the hope of the Aesir, except for a giantess named Thok, who you know is Loki in disguise. It mentions people think it was Loki, but who knows? Like Thok, aka Loki, says, "Let Hell hold what she has." And it's like I'm wondering if that's like another way for like Loki to say, "Well, what's done is done. Dead is dead." 
um, his time has passed. So well, in that part that, uh, that hell rule, you know, that, that hell or death rules over the nine worlds. Right. And that's that part that Odin was the one that sent her to be in charge of hell. Then she has the say over whether Balder comes back and she could, she could be resentful against Odin, but she actually is like, no, that's fine. He yeah. can go back except that you know, and, and the Loki's there as uh, as Thok. You have to wonder if hell is like never intended for Balder to like go back and like, maybe hell was just kind of like giving the Aesir false hope. Yeah. Um, and like maybe hell and Loki like had this like plan orchestrated to where she's like, Oh, don't worry. I'm going to be a giant. I'm not going to weep for Balder. So you get to keep him type of thing. It goes back to all this kind of magician stuff. It's like giving somebody the rope to hang themselves with. If that makes any sense. Right. Like, yeah, it's not my fault. I didn't do any of this. I just let you make your own mistakes. Right. <laughs> I don't know. That's just a little thing that pops in my head there of, uh, can't get mad at hell. She didn't do anything wrong. Right. Yeah, definitely. So at this point, things are bad. And like Loki killed like one of the AC, like the greats of the Aesir. So the Aesir are pissed off, obviously, but it gets a little worse. Um, so oh, in the story, yeah, go I ahead. I want to actually do one little interpretation on this one, kind of doing a little interpretations along the way. And at the sure. end, I'll kind of uh, wrap it all together too. And it's just there, as you said, that Loki killed and prevented the resurrection of the pride of the Aesir. And that idea of what Balder represents, I've always had a little bit of a hard time making sense of it, but I think they say quite clearly, like, he's like the golden child, right? Mm-hmm. which would be a little bit actually under the lover archetype. And it's kind of that idea, you know, the uh, very much the lover is often related to this kind of like the, the child, the divine child, right? And if you think of what that is within a person, within yourself, it's your selfishness. Me, me, me. Everyone take care of me. I can't do any of this on my own. I'm just a child. I need everyone to take care of me, right? And that's kind of fine when you're a child and then you become an adult and it's time to grow up. So that part of you needs to die. <laughs> yeah. Right. And that it's this, this selfishness. It's maybe another way to say it actually is your narcissism and you don't want to let go of it. Odin, the King does not want to let go of it. And sure. Loki's like, we're going to find a way. And even with all the, you know, the tricks and the rules and, and Frigg's like, everyone's going to allow you to stay, you know, the golden divine child. And Loki's like, no, you're not. And it's like, yeah. and even the goddess of hell says, all right, maybe you can hang on to it. And Loki says, no. <laughs> right? Yeah. So that, why is Loki so important? Doesn't matter how awful you think he is and trickster and everything else. What else is going to trick you into letting go of your narcissism, right? Is uh, Loki. So the, yeah. the jester that brings the king down a notch, right? And is like, you know, his, uh, his son as well, right? So that's yeah. the idea of the hero's journey. You know, it's, it's, we don't get many stories about Balder, but somehow he's that part of the hero's journey that is you're never going to grow up with that part there. So Yeah. And so I, I think that, like I, I previously mentioned that I think Boulder is like supposed to represent hope, yeah. but like when he dies, like that's where maybe it becomes like real for the series. Like, Oh shit. Like Ragnarok is going to happen. Like we are going to die. Like we don't have the hope of the Aesir or like if you make parallels, like to Jesus Christ, who yeah. apparently came in and saved the world and saved the souls of mortals. Like, in, like if you look at Boulder, it's the fact that he, didn't <laughs> he yes. like wasn't he didn't live up to the hope that he was supposed to bring the ace here and i'm not saying like boulder would have prevented ragnarok but like you have to like make that comparison i think that, that, that he was the false hope that you could prevent ragnarok right yeah that it, i really like to say it's, it's about hope as well the idea especially from Jungian psychology that all of these things have a, a light side and a shadow side right so boulder's hope isn't hope wonderful but what about that blind fake hope and we, we got hod the blind guy who shoots you with mistletoe right but yeah. you have this this blind false hope that you want to kind of cling on to, but then it's like, no, that's not real though. 
you're not, you know, you're, you're not actually, you don't really believe that. And that's not actually the truth. And you let go of it, but then it's this idea of trying to somehow bring back some type of hope. But it's not that same one. You can never bring back Balder. You got to bring back some other kind of hope. But then actually in the end, after Ragnarok, Balder, the hope does come back, right? Yeah. So it's that idea. It's very counterintuitive. Why do you need to let it die first to get it back for real? And Odin can yeah. never see that, right? So that's... No, that that is interesting. And like one other thing um, that it came to mind, and I want to say I did we I did mention this when we did our three part series on Boulder. Like we, like I don't know, we all have hopes and dreams in our lives, and then like maybe at one point, like when we turn fifty five, sixty, we get to the point where we realize that most of our life has passed us, um, and it's like a lot of our hopes and dreams went unfulfilled. Yeah. And so like, you kind of have to cope with that fact. It's like, oh, I did not have the life that I wanted. I had, I had a life that I liked, but I was not able to accomplish most of the things in my life. And it's like, yeah. at that point, like you are closer to death than you are your birth. And so like at, at some point society is going to keep moving and it's going to be, it's going to keep moving without yeah. you in it. And like, I, I know, like I always obsess over death and I like yeah. always find like death and like uh, mortality in these stories. But like, I, like, I wonder how much of, that plays a part in this like like all like and i i know i quoted I, in the doc i quoted q from star trek again where he says like all good things must come to an end the fact that like our lives are are finite i feel is what makes them beautiful type of thing yeah well and i think you found the important point and actually now it's it, i said to sean earlier if we do an episode about how uh we're reading north myths myths but it's really all about um sean and i projecting our bullshit onto odin and then that clarifies <laughs> what's wrong with or us. Loki. But but I'll do a little bit of one for myself without saying too much. Because Odin is, he, he's, he's saying, oh no, Ragnarok cannot happen because my son Balder will be killed and I can't allow that. But if he was really listening to the whole story, Balder's going to come back after Ragnarok. Odin, you're the one who's afraid of dying. <laughs> yeah. Right. And he's projecting it onto being worried about his son, but he's really actually worried. He's very afraid about himself, right? That's the oh. thing he doesn't yeah. want to say out loud. But that's what's going on there. We're because, gonna uh, Baldur's gonna come back and everything's fine. Just let Ragnarok happen, right? But oh no, yeah, so yeah. That's... And the Sirius in, in Volspot did tell him that Baldur would like come back. There would be a rebirth. So like, I do think that is funny. He is projecting his own insecurities onto yeah his kid. And I was gonna that's say like we're life, not gonna that's life right there. We're, yeah, we're not gonna go in this direction. But like that's where people these days uh, yeah. may see a rainbow flag at target and get upset and say like, yeah. well, no, we have to protect the children. They're just projecting their insecurity onto yes. their children. So Sean is, Sean is a bunch of the notes in here. I'm like, Sean is now reading between the lines with me. It's wonderful. Yeah, no, <laughs> we don't have to go in that direction, but uh, anyway, um, it does get worse. Loki insults the gods drunkenly. Um, he crashes Aegir's party and the, and insults all the gods Thor eventually threatens him, so Loki leaves. The gods then chase him. And so we we did like a three-part series on Locusen as well, so we don't have to dive too much in yeah. that. But what I always found interesting here was that according to the Poetic Edda, the reason why the gods capture Loki and chain him up is because he insulted them at Locusena. Whereas in the Prose Edda, it's a, it, like, it happens right after he killed Boulder. Yeah. Which is much worse. So, like, I think it is funny yeah. that, like, Snorri, in Snorri's, like, uh, line of events in Gilfaganine, it says, oh, yeah, the gods were pissed off at Loki, so after Baldur's funeral, they went after him. Snorri does mention in Scott Skopramal, the other portion of the Prosetta that deals with the Norse myths, that Loki did insult the gods at one point, yeah. like, by crashing Aegir's feast, but that was, like, kind of separate. But in, in the Poetic Edda, it says, oh, yeah, and then the gods went after Loki after he insulted them. 
and the, uh, but that part, and, and this is how it happened. Or yeah, like they went after him after the funeral, but it's like, oh, you, you missed a step there about why yeah. they really had to go after him. And because I think it's it's said very well in or very clearly in the poetic edda that that he reveals that he killed Balder, right? Like they didn't really know. So that that part that if we personify Loki and act like he's a person, that then he has his own trickster in his own head, which yeah. gets him to get too drunk and go reveal all his secrets because he's such a good magician that actually he could have got away with it all. But it's like, that's not what fate has in store. You know, so it's that, that Od- you know, Odin has a trickster that Loki has his own trickster, even and things like that. Yeah. yeah. One way or the other, Loki gets captured and tortured. Um, so Loki run- is running from the Aesir, but he is caught. The Aesir then catch Loki's other children, Valley and Narfi. They changed Valley into a wolf. And then Valley, giving into his wolf instincts, ripped apart his brother Narfi. They used Narfi's guts to bind Loki and fastened a poisonous stake above him so that poison would continuously drip onto his face until Ragnarok. Yeah, and so that's, like that's another yeah. sinister, like like at this point though, gods had a reason to be upset at Loki. Um but oh, yeah. And that part is I try to take the myths and really go, try to try to in my mind go back a thousand years and think who's writing these things. If you take that as that people write stories down because they got inspired by them from their dream or you know active imagination, their unconscious mind, I'm like, this is a very disturbing one. Right. Oh, I have yeah. a hard time sorting out what all the parts of it mean. I think even the first time, right, that uh, you know, we can talk about the, the the image of the snake and it's his his wife is there trying to prevent him from having the poison splash in his face. And it always goes back to the wolf image, right? The sons are turned into a wolf. And it's so relevant that his son, the wolf, being tortured. And Odin, Odin has this thing with wolves. There's some parts of myths where he has two wolves that actually are his friends or his hunting yeah, companions. Gary right. But that idea of yeah, the other two wolves showing up often. And I, I think it even goes back to the founders of Rome. They said were two brothers raised by wolves, something like that. Romulus yeah. and Remus. I don't on the top of my head know what it all means right now, but you know, and those are the guts that bind him very much something about the animal side of you, right? As we're looking at their, the wolf sure. children, things like that. I'm sure we're going to, I'm sure like you're, it's going to come to you and you're going to like want to wake up at three in the morning and do a, a solo episode. It's on either while I'm driving or yeah, this is going to yeah. be my solo episode. There's a good, very good chance of that. Sean knows me well enough now that I'll be like, all right, let me explain everybody what all the guts are being bound by your guts is all about. Right. So yeah. yeah. What does it mean to be bound by your guts? Right. Your gut feeling. Right. I feel you're, like you'd be there right now if the trucker that is Odin, like you saw like on his arm, he had like a tattoo of a wolf. Then at that point, it would just like drive it home for you. And you'd be that's like, I saw Odin. Like, that's yeah. what it meant. The, the wolf tattoo. Now I know what it all means after I saw this guy <laughs> selling firewood out of a pickup truck with a wolf tattoo. Yeah. I didn't check if he had tattoos. I'm sure he did though. Yeah. That's why I love this fucking podcast, dude. We yeah. just can say whatever the fuck we want. Yes. No, but that, uh, that your, your gut feeling that tells you something, right? And what is it? it's Loki and he's being tortured. It's that question, is Loki doing the right thing here? Right? He's like, he's getting revenge, but is it is it a holy revenge? I like that idea. Most people say, David, no revenge. And I'm like, I don't know. I like a sacred holy revenge. But um <laughs> Yeah. I don't know. It's it's definitely like because like the reason why Loki, like if, if our if our interpretation is correct, like Loki started becoming a psycho because like he consistently got like threatened by the Aesir. And like maybe Loki yeah. was trying to fit in, right? And maybe he was trying to play pranks, like he shouldn't have cut off Sif's hair, um, but he would always make up for it. But like, still, the gods looked at him and they were like, oh, this guy's a piece of shit. He's 
an evil person and like at some point he just like snaps especially when his kids got involved in that's actually going you know and it's you know how do you get thor to wake up and pay attention is it something so big and loud as uh shaving his wife's head right how do you get them to fight for their feminine side you try to steal it and give it away to a giant and now they want to fight for it right and actually integrate it right that it's sort of you know it's that these things are necessary And, and that part that right loki tells you the thing you don't want to hear but you needed to hear it and then he just gets blamed for it, right? But and no one can see the benefit. So yeah. I don't fully know, yeah. But that, uh, and then remind me. So he's tortured by the snake, but how does he get free? I can't quite remember. Wait, I think I think like um, in Gilfaganine, when Snorri is discussing Ragnarok, I'm pretty sure there's like a line in there that says, "Oh, in like all chains or all bound, like bonds were broken or something. Like all chains yeah. were broken and." That's how I think Fenrir got loose, and I believe that's how like Loki got loose as well. But it, like in either case, it says like Fenrir and Loki would be chained up until Ragnarok. So yeah. the events of Ragnarok are what broke those those chains, right. I guess. I always think it's something like an earthquake, but essentially, as you say, the the bonds are broken. And it's I could be thing. wrong. I, I, I I'm pretty sure it said something. That's a like quote. That's that. a quote somewhere. Yeah. And yeah. I'm, no, and I'm trying to think where it came from. But just as you're telling me that, right? That uh, that actually. So I, type of therapy I practice, dialectical behavior therapy. It's founded by Marsha Linehan, and we'll watch some of her videos. And there's one where she says, "Sometimes you lie." <laughs> it's like we're trying to teach people how to take care of their mental health and be, you know, moral and responsible, and and all of these kind of things. She's like, but sometimes you got to lie for a good reason. Don't just do it all the time for no good reason. You'll, you'll feel bad about yourself. You'll, you'll have a bad gut feeling if you're lying for no good reason. But sometimes it's to protect yourself. Sometimes it's for the right reason. Sometimes you will not get other people to do the right thing unless there's a little lie in there. But apart then there's like consequences to it as well. But that's the, bo- the bond being broken is ah, break your word. And somehow that lets Loki out and Ragnarok to happen. And now yeah, you, you had to also- finally admit you weren't perfect and so good like Balder. Sometimes you lie. Right. And that's uh, a little too much darkness and truth for a lot of people. But, yeah. yeah. And also, um, I like, as far as like bonds being broken, um, it also says that like brothers are going to go against each other. So like the yeah. bonds of like brotherhood or yeah, maybe even like the bonds of society are just like crumbling. Um, All of so those like another rules, way to look at it. right. Those rules, like you can't get mistletoe to swear a pledge. And what were some of those rules from earlier? That was, uh, I can't mistletoe was too young. You can't, can't consent. <laughs> yeah. And you can't, uh, you can't kill a uh, Fenrir. I mean, that, I don't know, maybe that was a good thing, but then again, if you don't want Ragnarok to happen, you better kill Fenrir because he's going to eat you. <laughs> yeah. So it's, ah, but you can't kill him if you want to, you know, it's to actually have rebirth, right? It's that idea. The image is, is used a lot of kind of like ego death or going to the underworld, but the idea that sometimes you go to the underworld and you get lost there mm-hmm. and you never come back. That's some people. So actually, if you kill Fenrir, maybe you never get to come back, right? There's certain things there. Oh, very interesting, but yeah. Not good. It's good that it's morning time because if this was middle of the night, I would. Yeah, I see that. I see that look in your eyes, David. Things went pretty far in my head, but I'm leaving it there. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But anyway, so like as far as like Ragnarok itself, um, so it it says that Loki and Hemdall are going to be the deaths of each other. Uh, Loki's son Jormungandr and Thor are the deaths of each other. And then Fenrir swallows Odin, but then is ultimately killed by Odin's son, Vidar. And it doesn't really say what happens to Hell. Like, she probably just rules in some capacity. She's still ruling over the nine worlds, I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah the women, the, the woman survives. Um, but, uh, so, like, anyway, like, I, I, it's it's funny how, like, in Ragnarok, when it says, like, Hendel and Loki are the deaths of each other, that's literally, like, what it says. It's, like, one yeah. sentence. 
and so like at this point like part with ragnarok there's like more stuff going on but like this is where it kind of is interesting because like loki dies it's over for him but then ragnarok happens the world is destroyed and then a new world is reborn and that's like the arc of loki yeah so like ragnarok was certainly fated to happen and loki played a huge part in that and like you mentioned that loki has been like like loki is like an agent of fate yeah. So like my, my question is like, do things, well, I guess we can, we can touch on that in a second, but like, I, I did make a note here. Do things need to die to make room for something better? Oh yeah. Um, and I love that you like, do we that need question. To, yeah. But like, do we, do we need to die to make our like children and our grandchildren to like allow them to grow into who they need to be to like better society type of thing? And yeah, to allow them. That's a really powerful idea. I'm, I'm reading a book on what is, you know, what, what are healthy relationships? What is mindful loving? What, what is real love rather than when a person tells you they love you and it's not, you know, it's control. It's power and control. There's no love there, right? So you're, you think you love your children and you're telling them you want them to be better, but you're just controlling them. And do they not feel loved at all, right? I'm going real dark today, right? But well, that is the idea that your narcissism and your ego needs to die and just let your kid be a person. Just let them be a human being and they're their own unique person, not a little version of you, right? It's, that's yeah. very true. Yeah. Let them let them think what they want when they see a rainbow flag. Yeah, and if it's you know if it's the wrong thing, they'll figure it out. Let them make their own mistakes, right? And if it's the right thing, then realize you don't know everything. <laughs> it's the right. Yeah, thing. and, and like I don't know, we like like every like you, you have a you, I don't have a I don't have a, a child. You do, yeah. and it's like yeah. at some point, like you're gonna raise August to be yeah. his best self. You're gonna do your best to do so, but you also mm-hmm. might make mistakes, and like any mm-hmm. insecurities that you have may get pushed on him. And like, yeah. I, like I'm not saying like you're a bad person by any means, no, obviously, but like, it's just naturally worse, what we do. Yeah. The thing that's worse is the refusal to see your own insecurities. It's bad enough. It's bad enough. You're not a perfect person, but, but no, but then you, when you refuse to see it, then you can never get better. Right. So that's the part of you that really needs to die. The part of you that is that blind and continually blinds you and won't let you see anything. And why does Odin have yeah. to remove one of his eyes? Right. It's like, yeah, it's all about Odin. So- <laughs> So yeah, like that, uh, if if Loki was an agent of fate, um, did yeah. Loki know that this like universe or his universe needed to be destroyed for yeah. something else to come? Yeah, that uh, that's my my other main interpretation when I saw like just the large arc of all the stories was about suffering. And this is a, we'll get real philosophical now because this is an interesting one. Whether it's in Buddhism or there's a little bit of this in Stoicism that they talk about. It's an interesting thing when you read Buddhism, because it comes from a different culture, a different language. So the idea is a little hard to translate into English sometimes, right? It's not just just like with translating poetry. It's not just the words. It's like really the meaning behind the words. But the ideas, because uh, you hear different quotes in different places, all kinds of modern pop psychology kind of quotes. Like one would be that suffering is optional, right? That you don't have to suffer. If you learn to accept, then you're not suffering. Like in life, there will be pain, but the suffering makes it worse when you refuse to accept the pain, that's, mm-hmm. that's the one way to see it. But then I also see the quote that says life is suffering and that suffering is inherent part of life. And, and then you just got to accept that. So that would be the idea is, you know, do you need to accept pain and no suffering, right? So whenever you're suffering being like, stop suffering, you don't need to be suffering. Or do you accept that the suffering will happen? Uh, another way to say it is not to judge your suffering or yourself for causing your own suffering and making it worse. Yeah. Um, and then we really think about Loki and the snake dripping in your eyes, right? And what is that all about, right? But it's that thing, right? It, you you fight against it, you make it worse. That's really Odin, right? All of this, you don't accept and it gets worse. 
And the fate is going to happen anyways. If you really believe in the idea of fate, it's just what's happening. And you're not in charge of it. You know that for sure. And, you know, one of the quotes I love from stoicism is uh, basically, if you do not accept, if you do not realize that the only things that are good are the things that are actually up to you, it says that, that you will lament, you will find fault with gods and men. So basically that you will mm-hmm. curse the gods and everybody else if you don't just accept. And really, as I say that right there, right? It's not just to like to blame people, but really to put a curse on them, right? All the people around you, you've cursed them because you won't just accept. And is that a curse you put on your children and all of what we just previously talked about, right? It's a lot of interesting things there. Uh, yeah. I probably went a little weird, Sean. What do you think? <laughs> no, no. I think like, I don't know. Like I, I yeah. like, with, like one of the things that drove me to look into Norse mythology and like do this podcast was the fact that like one, the gods are not perfect and like yeah. they, they sort of like bring on their own Ragnarok. And yeah. I also think like there is like some, like with the God Odin, who is my favorite to like, like, I think he clearly has like some existential dread and he is trying to like yeah. prevent Ragnarok from happening. But like, it's, it's all of our fates to go out and die type of thing. Yeah. And like, I, I do think like the myths can be interpreted um, in this way to like, just say like, well, you know, I, like, I don't know. It's, it's, it's interesting to me. Cause like, let's say Odin, succeeded like let's say odin succeeds loki failed and bringing on ragnarok he would still be depressed he would be like okay well now i'm just gonna live forever and like each individual moment means less and less and less the longer my life goes type of different kind of different kind of curse right yeah yeah and so like that's where i don't know like i i think um bringing back to q and like what i said earlier q from uh star trek um all good things must come to an end like we need to die to be able to like enjoy life type of thing Oh yeah. And I think that that's, yeah, it's very true. And then it's also that idea of you accept that basically, how do you learn to die? Well, that's, that's actually a lot of, I think that's a quote in stoicism somewhere. People would use that, that it's, you have this point now and everything is going downhill for me. Sure. <laughs> we, we know where the end is, but, but how does it go in the best way possible? Right. What's, what are the worst ways for it to go? And what's the better way for it to go? And it's that idea that like, there will be suffering, there will be pain, but when you approach it in the right way, it's actually a lot less suffering, right? That's the idea. It's not, it's not about David says you're going to suffer and just deal with it and put up with it. Cause that is the thing. It's, it's a wonderful thing to say, to love your fate and accept your fate when things are going pretty well. But when your fate is going really, really awful, that feels like the most awful thing to say. Right. And it's just, I'm like, I'm kind of stuck there and being like, yeah, well, that just sounds awful. Right. But it is that you, what other option do you have? Right. Mm-hmm. You know that. And, and then the other, a term that I like within all of this with suffering, because nobody likes the idea of suffering. You talk about suffering and it just, whether, whether it's Christians or it's Buddhists or pretty much anybody you talk to, they have an awful reaction when you talk about suffering. But it's especially in the Jungian psychology, this idea, that's the only place I've seen a meaningful suffering, right? That the suffering, is the suffering a bad thing or is it a good thing? But it is maybe actually a good thing when it's meaningful suffering, that that is the process of growth. That's actually the thing that pushes you and motivates you to grow. And then it's meaningful because you grew. So it's that, that part of you that refuses to grow is really actually what makes it meaningless. And that's, and then that's the most awful thing when it's meaningless suffering. Yeah. Uh, well, I think, I think like in general, yeah. I think in general, like suffering is necessary. Right. Right. It's necessary to grow. I mean, it's just probably a necessary part of life. So that idea that, you know, do you need to accept and then, you know, life is painful. And if you accept it, then you don't have to suffer. But then the idea, don't accept too quickly. That's again, David's doing his own psychology on the, uh, on the air, but not too obviously. Definitely don't pretend that you accepted 
when you have not, right? <laughs> that you're still, you're still suffering and you're like, but I don't have to be suffering because I'm a stoic. And it's like, yeah, you're still suffering though. <laughs> and, and then you find meaning in it and you have to keep, it's a continual process. You have to keep reading the nurse myths. You got to keep doing your morning meditation. You got to keep reading Epictetus, whatever it is. Right? Yeah. That, uh, and then you sort yourself out and things do get better. Right. So it's, and that goes, you got, there's a lot of work to do. You're not going to run out of things to, to work on. That's how I take it all. That's my message for today. That's what I'm doing in life. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's awesome. Uh, I don't know. Like I, I, I do kind of like the idea, you know, when you like, when, like, let's say you are approaching old age or you, you are like yeah. an older person, like you may look back on your life and you can look at, you can like look at your life and like, look at what's to come like Odin, which maybe not be in your best interest, but like, it's almost like you have to have that bowler's death to like realize that like I, I like I, I didn't achieve everything I wanted, but then like you have to like find some ability to be okay with that and say like, you know what, I, I lived a hell of a life. I didn't get everything yeah. I wanted, but like it still fucking was awesome. And, and the like, idea that you really give a gift to everybody around you. Rather than giving a curse to everybody around you, then you really give a gift to everybody around you. And that's that's even more meaningful, right? Of why why do you need to stop suffering or uh, making yourself and everybody else miserable? <laughs> yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. No, don't so project that, uh, your own insecurities onto your children. Sometimes you just got to let yeah. go and uh, oh, yeah. watch them, watch them grow. And then like, understand that they're going to keep growing after you're gone. Yeah. The, the other interesting thing that I noted was as the, uh, that the wolf swallows Odin whole, basically that idea that like, we don't have a body. We don't have proof that Odin's dead. So that Odin is still <laughs> floating out there somewhere, but we can't find him. I mean, he's a shapeshifter. So he's in a fucking truck. <laughs> he's, he's driving a truck, giving David firewood. That's exactly where I'm going yeah that odin that odin's in all of us you just have to admit it sometimes yeah yeah anyway dude i think this was a good episode again i, I like, like uh, our morning i like our morning episodes um, yeah we, we have a different we have a different energy and i still go just as dark but i think i kept it on a on a nice light tone as well as we're talking about suffering and uh getting tortured by snakes yeah <laughs> yeah so i guess as far as like what's next um i think uh we we do want to get into the, the volsungs uh so like I, I'm gonna we're gonna start preparing those episodes. the The first story that we're actually gonna discuss is um involves the I guess the origin story of the dragon Fafnir, who plays a part in the saga in the Volsung saga with Sigurd, Sigurd the Dragon Slayer, and uh, that's gonna start off the Volsung saga. And I'm sure I'm gonna have a bunch of a uh, one off episodes where I overly interpret Harold Fairhair or other yeah. kings from Hemskringla and. Uh, I'm sure you're going to have some some stuff as well. But. No, I think I'm going to say it. I'll say it on air because then I commit myself that I got to do it to uh, to do a short on Wagner's opera, which is basically the big arc. And so it's not the details we get from the old Norse myths. It's a way they summarized it in, I want to say, the 1800s, this uh, story. So it's a little more contemporary version of this story. But then I think as we go through the sagas and break down all the details, we're going to find some interesting stuff. Just as you said, yeah, the origin of the dragon. I'm like, ooh, I want to know about the origin of the dragon, right? So yeah. I think we got some good episodes coming up. Awesome. So, uh, yeah, thanks, David. Thank, uh, good morning. Happy, happy Thursday. Happy Thursday, I guess. Uh, and yeah, we'll see you next week. Have a good, have a good day, everybody. Bye. Thank you for listening to Between Two Ravens. If you've been enjoying our show, please write a five-star review on iTunes to help spread our podcast to a wider audience. See the show notes below for links to follow us on social media. Our podcast is part of the Walled Garden Podcast Network. The Walled Garden Philosophical Society is committed to the pursuit of truth, wisdom, virtue, and the divine, wherever it might be found. Visit thewalledgarden.com to learn more.